coming up on Influencing Entrepreneurs. One of our bigger partners that we had been with since the beginning of Spiracle or early on in Spiracle's time, um, it was the client's birthday. And so we go and get a birthday cake and we're like, Dave, you gotta come meet this partner. They're one of our biggest partners. They're really supportive, they've been great. And we've really grown with them and helped them build uh, their social media side. And so we go into the meeting uh, with the cake, you know, the whole happy birthday and everything like that. We sit down and, uh, and the partner that we get the cake for, he's like, well, this is sort of awkward because we've decided to go in a different direction. After years of teaching business and entrepreneurship, I found that when guest speakers revealed the hardships and mistakes made throughout their professional and personal lives, it resonated with my students. That's when I thought, why not share these stories so that other entrepreneurs have access to the same insights for education and inspiration? I'm Kazmer Ward, and this is Influencing Entrepreneurs. On this episode, we speak with Tim Baer and Jared Latch with Spiracle Media. Tim and Jared's original focus was helping professional athletes leverage their social media platforms. As part of the company's evolution, Spiracle Media has repositioned itself as a video content agency that's built to tell stories using their journalistic backgrounds. Their ability to tell impactful stories and create compelling content has set the foundation for continued organic growth, as well as partner relationships with some of the largest brands across the country. Let's start off really with your journalistic background. Where does all of this begin before Spiracle even begins? Jared and I both moved uh, to Charlotte back in 2006, 2007, and we both moved here for jobs. We were sports anchors. Um, I was the weekend sports anchor at News 14 Carolina, now Spectrum News. Uh, Jared was the sports reporter anchor at WSOC and then ended up going to WCNC as well. So we got to know each other being in media, you know, in sports circles, it's a pretty small world in Charlotte. You're going around, you're covering a lot of the same things. Um, and after a couple years, we ended up getting a couple friends together and we all moved into a house together. And so we were roommates. We would end up, you know, sitting up at night, having a beer and talking about, you know, what's next? What are we going to do? And we both loved the city of Charlotte and wanted to stay here and in the media business in a lot of ways in order to move up you have to leave and you have to keep jumping around and going to a lot of different markets and so we kept trying to think of ways that we could come up with a business that used our background and what we've done but also allowed us to stay in Charlotte and, and have a career. Just to recap, sports anchor is probably the dream job of, you know. So you think. On paper. <laughs> I, I, well, on paper, no different than being a fireman, or a fireman or astronaut. You make it as a sports anchor and are already, I'm gonna call it restless or looking for a better lifestyle, a, a way to not travel as much or have to always look for the next job. So where does the idea for Spiracle come from that? Well, I think that the lifestyle was big when we talked about it, we didn't wanna work the three in the afternoon to midnight for the rest of our lives and sports happens on weekends and it happens at night so there was no way around that and as Tim mentioned we really enjoyed being a part of Charlotte and we were working with athletes so we were engaged and I always like to say that we evolve with digital we evolve with the platforms and Twitter and Facebook and these are things that we had to start doing as part of our job so we saw great value in it with athletes number one so we said there might, be, there might be an opportunity there. At that point, we used to use the word become your own media outlet. We felt like these athletes could control their own message. They could become more alluring to sponsors and people would pay 
for that to happen. So one of our first uh, big partners and clients that we had was Stephen Curry because of our relationship at Davidson College. We had worked with them in different capacities covering them. They had a, a big run to the Elite Eight in 2008 in college basketball. And we worked with Steph for his first uh, three or four years in the NBA. So that was where the initial idea came from. And it was surrounding social media. It then extended beyond athletes. We work with businesses, managing, helping them with strategy and such. So that's where the initial idea of Spherical Media and how we got off the ground. So Spherical opens its door in 2011. And your sole focus with one of your first clients being Steph Curry, who is now one of the largest Greatest NBA players of all time. Of all time, yes. We knew that. We knew yeah, that. right. right. So, uh, <laughs> so Actually, what, it's why he is. <laughs> we were the catalyst. Yeah. But with that, what is the company at that point? We started the company 2011. This was March 23rd, I think it is, 2011, I want to say. Um, Murphy, my dog, was born March 28th, 2011. So I keep the two birthdays. Uh, in order, but uh, but so we straddled actually for the first uh, part. So Jared left WCNC, decided to do some freelance work uh, with a number of different uh, outlets. He was teaching, he was doing a bunch of things. So Jared was our first full-time employee. Uh, myself and our other business partner at the time, Bill Voth, were both still working in TV. So I was still the weekend sports anchor at News 14. Bill was still at WSOC as a sports anchor there. It was important to us that we would be able to pay for ourselves before we went too far down the road. And so uh, we had enough coming in from Steph and Euphoria actually we had at the time that we could pay Jared a salary or at least some some somewhat of a money some supplement. money small supplement. Yeah, supplement and and then Jer and then Bill and I would put in sweat equity for the time being and then as as we got along we would figure out when the right time was for us to come on full. How does that play out because right now you and Bill are in full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. You're <laughs> eking by for a living, kind of getting their, uh, I'm sure, a salary cut, but at least getting some money from this. How does this affect you as you're the one running the show while they're, they're making payroll? It was sort of an interesting play at first. I don't think I was affected by it too dramatically other than we have this idea and we need to build upon this idea. And I was offered the weekend job at WCNC and you said, hey, sports anchor, this, this sounds amazing. And in a top 30 market, if I would have said a couple years before that I would pass on that job and say, no, I think we have something at least that I want to pursue and I can always go back to it. It wasn't hard, I don't think at first, trying to balance everything because I was doing so many things and Spherical was a part of that. Now, as we went, it became a larger part and like Tim said, we were sort of tiering our approach or scaling it and we wanted one person in and then hopefully next in line would, would come and follow suit. So in, in my mind, it was never that difficult. I didn't hold anything against the guys. I know there's a, a pivotal moment that we'll, we'll talk about early in it, but at the beginning, you know, it was like a mixed portfolio. I've got this and that to do and Spherical was a part of it. Let's see how we can make it grow naturally. Yeah, and I'll say there was no map. You know, it wasn't like, okay, four months in, this person's gonna stop working, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't on the table. It was, okay, we're chasing this thing, let's see if we can make something out of it. And really, we were still in the making something out of it phase when Bill got fed up at work one day and just decided to quit. And somebody was being really a jerk to him at work and said, screw this, I'm out, and <laughs> he quits. That was and a conversation on the porch one night, and he came and told us that. <laughs> yeah, and we didn't, we, like, we didn't know that he was going to do that, nothing, like, and he was like, that's I'm going full-time. Yeah. They 
lost employment or they've just had enough. Sure. Right. It was the moment he said, I'm totally in. We're like, okay, good. <laughs> he goes, no, I'm, I'm really totally in because I don't have a job to go to tomorrow. Yeah. Right. So it was, uh, we got to go. We got to yeah. go with this. And, and so it did give some fuel to the fire, I'm sure. And, and, uh, and so then I was the last man out, still working full time, trying to make ends meet while we were still trying to build this thing. How does that play out? Because at first, you're trying to make enough revenue so you get back to a regular salary. You have a partner that leaves his job. Now you got to share that revenue is, is pay with him. So now whatever your goal is, has just been doubled so you can get him on board. And then you have Tim on the outside where you're like, do we need to wait till we triple that till we bring Tim in? Or what are these decision points along the way? We didn't have those milestones really set up, but we were fortunate in the beginning that we had a couple of significant clients that, that came on board with us that were, you know, $5,000 retainer here and 25 here and 3,000 here. And we didn't, have, we didn't have overhead because we were working out of our homes. It made it easy for us to, to say, okay, we, we can support this. As far as a business background, I didn't have one. We were both in communication. I took business classes in college, you know, some <laughs> of the basic things and, and melding all that together. We just decided that we were going to do this. And it, I think it was a, more of a confidence play. Yeah. It, at what point, you know, when you say, okay, I'm, I'm in full go, I'm not going to have another job and I'm going to, I'm going to move some, the concentration of energy over. And you also have to put into perspective too a little bit that we're coming from media, obviously, sounds like dream job. They don't really pay you that well and they overwork you. And so for us to get to back to a reasonable salary in the real world really wasn't that hard for us to float, you know, because we were already living on lower means because we worked in media. I think that gave us a little bit of an advantage. I think our background in meeting deadlines and having to do things quickly gave us an advantage. I'll say that when we started doing business work, it was so weird to me how slow people are at responding to you and getting back to you. And so like there were these little built-in advantages because of where we came from in that media side that gave us an edge to be able to, to gut it out. Number one thing we did, we said, who do we know? Let's go to everybody. Let's tell them about this idea. Let's see what we can do for them. It might not be directly of what we want to do long term, but it would get our foot in the door. It would help us build upon what was social media at that time. And we also had the video part of it. We borrowed things like cameras and, and mm -hmm. lighting, and we had people that were invested in us. At this point, you're not even making the investment to build up inventory. We're not. We, we can do it all digitally, and the equipment we needed, we had people that were we're, we're good enough, you know, good with us to provide that for us. It took a lot of the, the stress away. You know, the, the stresses wouldn't come until yeah. a few years later when we realized, oh crap, we've got a company here. So at that point, how do you get, how does Tim make the decision to come work full time? I'll tell you my side of the story and then it'll be even funnier to hear Jared's side. But um, so I was working still in the TV thing and I would go through stretches where I'd get really busy with, you know, seasons. We've got, you know, NFL or whatever, NASCAR, whatever's going on. But those things are cyclical and you get, you sort of get into the rhythm of them. But uh, I know for a period there, I think, I want to say it was, I can't remember the month, but, um, but I was MIA for a little bit. And we were getting to the point that we had some 
you know, bigger clients coming on. We had some responsibilities now to these clients to actually get deadlines met and things to do. It wasn't just us trying to make something happen out of nothing. Um, and so as that was happening, uh, I remember getting a text or an email from Bill or Jared to say, hey, can you meet us for coffee? And we go over to the old Caribou, which is now Mayo Bird in South Summit Room. I'll never forget it. It's that front front uh, sitting area. And I go in, and the two of them are sitting on one side of the table, and I'm on the other side. And they're like, all right, so are you in or are you out? We're at the point now that we have to be all in, or else we're not going to get this thing off the ground. Um, is that no, right? It's, I, I mean, think I've softened it's pretty my story. No, I don't think it, it <laughs> wasn't. Took out the swear it wasn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> it wasn't any more blunt than that. It was. It was. It was getting real at that yeah, point. Yeah. Right. And it goes back to when you asked me if it was challenging in the beginning when I was working four or five things. And no, it wasn't. Uh, but then as things took off, and and as we had more heightened responsibility with these partners, and we needed to get proposals out, and and we were all sharing that re that load of responsibility. So. We had to have things and we had to have them on time. At that point early on, I don't know if it was, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it was panic, but it was, okay, we've, we've got something that's more real now and we need to devote more attention or at least hit those, hit those deadlines. So it was a it was a uh, shock was to the response? system. Yeah, well, yeah it was response? a shock to the did system. You, I was emotionally joined Spiracle. I think I did. Okay. Um, <laughs> emotionally at the time, I'll tell you, like it took me aback. Like it was like this thing that I started with Jared really in our uh, living room that then we brought Bill into because Bill had a, a definite talents that we needed for the team, um, and it felt like oh man, this is a thing that was like sort of my baby. And now it's being taken away from me. Not really taken away from me. It's that I'm not doing my fair share at that time. But it did sort of shock me into a, yeah, you gotta you gotta jump off the, the board. You know, you gotta do this. If you're gonna do it, you gotta do it. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. So that's what led to me leaving News 14, and that was in November of 2012. So a year and a half after we started the company, I went full time. And that was a really tough conversation to have. And I think before that, there were some false starts. And, you know, we, we got to a certain point and we were ready to, to move in and it didn't happen. Yeah. So I think over time, you know, it's not something that just one day I said, let's have this conversation. I mean, it had built up over time as we continued to get more clients and more responsibility. But the lesson was, you know, bluntness or honesty is going to get you where you need to get to rather than dancing around and having resentment. Um, the fact that they came to the table and said, hey, here's where we're at. Can you do this? What is, what's going on? And that laying it out like that, while it hurt initially, it really did set the tone for us all diving in. And they left the decision to you. Yep. I mean, they could have easily just said, said yes. Yeah. At this point, you're really kind of a social media management company. That's how we were formally introduced. Now we get to a point that you all three are committed and the business slowly starts to grow. And I have to point out, there's only two of you here today. So how does that play out uh, in the short term or long term? Is that within the first couple of years or does that play out? Yeah, I think that, that takes us from 2011 to around 2013. As we mentioned, our, our journalistic background, our third partner, Bill, don't think he needed to scratch that itch you know, more right. in, intensely than he was. And that's really what led him to, to start blackandblueview.com, which was an independent 
Carolina Panthers website. And he went back into that. And with our blessing, too, he came to us on the front end and said, hey, I, I want to do this. I, I think there's an opportunity here. I want to get back into it a little bit. So it started as a few hours, and that continued to grow. And then at a certain point, you know, as Spiracle was continuing to grow and its trajectory was going up, things became more complicated. We had to look into decisions with additional employees and healthcare and benefits. And when all that stuff started happening and his, his bandwidth was shrinking, it, it was ironic that we sort of had to have the same conversation, <laughs> but, but he, knew yeah. it was, he knew it was coming. And sure. we just had to sit down with him and, and say, look, things are more complicated. We can't just have uh, an equal third partner just hanging out there because business is getting more intense and we need to make decisions. So I think a big part of him would still love to be here today. It was it was a friendly split uh, when we bought him out in 2013, but and now he works for the Carolina Panthers internally. So he he went back to that side of things. But yeah, I mean that's that's sort of how it it all came down and. And, and it wasn't bad in any way. You know, no, it was again, open and I mean, yeah, it was again the honesty thing. I think uh, Bill was honest with us with what he was feeling still this this need to cover, and he saw a gap in the coverage of the community. And to be honest, he killed it with Black and Blue Review. Um, the business side of the business didn't come together completely, but he was he was really he really did well with it. And then it got the attention of the Panthers, and basically, you know, you. You see your biggest competitor, you try and bring him in. And that's what they did. And so um, as he went through that, though, he was open with us the whole time. And for us to be able to have that conversation and be like, all right, listen, I think it's time that you go full time into that. And we go full time to this. And, and it wasn't like a, and in no way was it bitter. I think it was, I think it was really good. I mean, we have a great relationship to this day. And that, that sort of corresponds with something, I know, that the lead up to one of those other moments that really changed. Trajectory. <laughs> yeah. Pivoted. And actually, yeah, so timeline wise, it's a little bit of a backup because Bill was still with the company at the time. Uh, but he had started Black and Blue Review. So he's still a partner. We actually decided that video was going to be an important piece of what we were doing. And so we had brought Dave Cronodal on and uh, as, as a, a creative uh, guy for us to help do videos. And his first week on as really our first real employee. I mean, we'd had, I think we had had one employee before that, but right. she was sort of just part-time. And, and real quick, the, the decision to bring on your first employee that's not a partner, just talk about that just for a second. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that was tough from the standpoint of it becomes real at that point because you're not only just having to fight to feed yourselves, you're having to worry about somebody else and their family. Uh, Dave had a young family at the time, and but we were doing well enough that we felt confident in what we were building, and we were really confident in what Dave brought to the table. And so um, to miss out on the opportunity of bringing someone with such talent into the team would have just been a huge loss. Um, so I think that made the decision that much easier. And it was a transition point from the social media to the video. Right. And what Dave had to offer, we saw this as the future of this company, really. We needed somebody to push us cre creatively and to bring that, that cinematic piece that we never really attacked before. And, and it was at that moment where we knew it, it, was, it was go time in that regard, that we needed to do this to push forward.
But we, we hadn't completely made that decision. And so we were, we were going, like we were pushing the video side of the business. We were going to build that side. But we hadn't gotten rid of the social media side of the business yet. Oh, it was still lingering because we, we, we weren't ready. That comes to this point where Dave's first week, he gets hired. And one of our bigger partners that we had been with since the beginning of Spiracle or early on in Spiracle's time, um, it was the client's birthday. And so we go and get a birthday cake and we're like, Dave, you gotta come meet this partner. They're one of our biggest partners. They're really supportive, they've been great. And we've really grown with them and helped them build uh, their social media side. And so we go into the meeting uh, with the cake, you know, the whole happy birthday and everything like that. We sit down and, uh, and the partner that we get the cake for, he's like, well, this is sort of awkward because we've decided to go in a different direction. And, right away, too. And I just, I could never forget that because I remember looking at Dave like, oh, crap, what did I do? Like, because he knew they were our biggest client probably at the time. And, uh, and for them to say they were going to go in a different direction, they were going to use an old vendor that they had used before out of Florida. It was pretty, pretty interesting. But I think we handled it really well, went through the meeting, got through the end of that, that piece of it. And then we went down and, and had lunch and sort of... In a way, we celebrated. I, I was very big on the fact that we're not going to let this knock us down. Let's, let's think of all the good things we have going on and let's go forward. And that moment in time literally positioned us in moving away from social media and digital side and pushing us to solely video. Um, and that schism is what's pretty much gotten us to this point right here. And Tim, I was, I was ready to go to Pita Pit for lunch. And, and he said, <laughs> no, let's, let's go have a, a good lunch here. And it, <laughs> the way it plays out, it's always nice when a decision is made for you sometimes. Right. And that's exactly what was that's the scenario there. Right. So did you take the cake with you? No, I, I actually ran into him two years later, a year later, and I, I did say, you owe me a cake. Um, so, but since then, here's the irony of this, instead of burning bridges and being a real jerk when that goes down, we stayed in contact. They brought on a new marketing manager and they have since hired us to do video for them and we've made more money with them doing video than we ever did managing social media. Um, so again, it shows the power of relationships and how you deal with a situation when sometimes the shit hits the fan. Video. Uh, production companies as far as content creation there's others out there we, you know you've spent time talking about who your competitors are in the past and in your strategy meetings what makes you stand out above and beyond that we think it's really a, a package deal uh, not only with skills the intentionality that we've built our team and the former journalists that that don't shoot like news photographers and we think they're versatile they can shoot cinematically, they can capture the story. That's something that's really lacking when you just say a video production company. There's plenty that can shoot incredible looking video, but when it comes to assemble a story, they struggle. And I mentioned, if I were to say sort of our, at the core of who we are, we say we're storytellers, subject matter experts, and we're true partners because we believe in that relationship part of it. It's really the intentionality of, of the makeup of this team it makes us different when you put all of that together under one roof. And that's what you get with us. So going off of what you're saying, I think I agree in that it is the team that's a big piece of that. I think we had some built-in advantages coming from that media background in hustle, in relationship building, in being able to identify stories really well. 
all of those things were big pieces of the puzzle for us when we started the company, and I think they've continued to be pieces of the puzzle as we found teammates to join on with us. And so I think that's always been a differentiator for us. There are a lot of companies out there that could shoot and can turn great videos, but they can't always tell a story really well. And then the adding the side of the relationship and knowing that the team that you have is going to be there for you no matter what. There are a lot of intangibles that happen uh, in the process that I think have really helped us uh, grow. And so all of our business continues to come from referrals because people talk about how their experience was in working with the guys and girls that work here. And I think, um, I think that's what really makes us different. So you make this transition to go solely on video several years ago, and ever since then, the entire landscape has changed to where they've become more video reliant, especially with the changes in Facebook and Instagram and Twitter or whatnot. How do you stay on top of what's gonna be happening in the next five years? Well, I think part of that, and I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, is that we've been fortunate to land at this place in time where when we worked in TV in the earliest times, you had the advent of websites in, in their simpler forms, and we had to update those. And then you had the social media networks in which we were populating the stories that we were reporting on. So for me personally, and I think this would apply to most of the team, is that we've just grown with that curve, that we've been in with the technology as it's come out. So when we talk about building advantages, I think that's, that's a big part of it. But then there's also uh, a willingness to apply new things and to look outside and be inspired by different works and an awareness there to say, how can we use that? How can we apply it correctly to this story? I think it's a mix of the two where we landed in time and then you know, knowing and being aware of what we can use and how we can use it. And I think we've said you know, to ourselves, we said we've been pretty lucky that we've caught these things as they've grown. So we caught social media just because if we were in TV, we had to be involved in social media before it really became huge. And so we had this distinct advantage there. Same thing has happened with video. And so being aware and knowing what that next thing might be that we catch. So at a granular level, really what's happened too for us as we've grown is Dave's done a really good job of helping the team push themselves in their creativity. And so these guys do production summits where they look at outside sources, try and bring in ideas, ways to do things differently. How have we done this in the past? How can we do it better and different the next time? It's always striving to do that next thing um, that I think has helped keep an edge to what we do. With that, you went from three partners to two partners and one employee. Where are you at today? It's always a good question. We have 10 full-time employees, including Jared and I, and then we have two uh, I would call them employees, but really they're fractional, uh, fractional CFO, and yours truly, and then a fractional sales manager in Josh Mastel. And that has been a really interesting process in trying to figure out, you know, how do you set up the chairs on the deck? And what's the most important next move? And what do you need to add? And there are stresses that the production department's feeling as far as uh, bandwidth uh, versus do we need to be worried about more sales to feed that before we add that person? And so there are those sort of yin and yangs that you're trying to work through. So you made the decision to focus on video content and storytelling. 
Uh, you do it well, you probably, especially in the Charlotte area, if not in the country, one of the best. The company has to evolve and innovate from there. So what are next steps from there? That's, that's the biggest question to me, always. And the, one of the few that keeps me up at night is, is what's next? Uh, is, it, is it something brand new that we don't see yet or is here on the cusp that we need to grab and, and move in? Is it something that we're doing that we need to perfect and add to? Virtual reality, there, there's different areas in there, even, even augmented reality that we might be able to, to utilize in, in different ways that might apply to some of the projects that we do and, and I think then more importantly on the, the business side is the challenge of teaching. I want to mention that to your students because when you grow all this just happens so fast. <laughs> you're there one day and there's two or three of us and then there's 12 of you and, and you're like what the heck just happened? But it's really important because you've had to do everything in the beginning to start it that you get some semblance of process and then have the ability to teach and that I know that's something that that I personally struggle with is is that teaching part or at least doing it all the time what's next I'm, I'm not really sure if there's a clear-cut path or answer yeah I think we're always striving to figure out what that is to be honest our latest project um, that we just launched building Charlotte it's an episodic series that um, that we've built out with a company here in Charlotte and we're trying to prove a theory of local Charlotte companies supporting high quality content about an industry that is similar to their clientele so that they can find value in that content being produced and we can produce high quality content for consumption by a bigger audience. I think in what we, how we went about it, but we found a really good partner in Pike Properties and we literally launched the series this past Tuesday. Uh, so it's at almost 10,000 views in a day. Um, the hope is to get into that 50, 100,000 views a, an episode. We're doing seven episodes over the fall, following the construction of a home from the very beginning all the way to the end. And um, it's a unique process and we're learning as we're going. And I think that is the biggest thing, is being able to learn so that then we can perfect it and, and hopefully replicate it in a really good way. Going into episodic uh, production, it's it, it is different, especially in the home building. Uh, there are probably not a lot of uh, companies that are truly utilizing video and video storytelling and doing that. So what advice do you have for companies out there that aren't utilizing this and how, how could you educate them to, to let them decide for themselves where that value is? Well, I think original content now is, is so important. Uh, before the whole idea of marketing was tell them what they want to hear or what you want them to hear. And it's been flipped in the last three or four years. It's you've got to listen to your audience. What do they want? What do they want to engage with? What do they want to consume? And we know that that is, is real authentic stories. And so we're seeing that a lot of brands are getting behind series. We always joke with Dave about Yeti because they do Yeti Presents and they do it really well. And there's subtle product placement there, whether it's a cooler or, or a cup or a hat once in a while. But they're telling stories associated with lifestyle of people that would use their products. And they're finding these interesting stories and they're putting their name on the front and the back. 
but not most times in the middle. So with this episodic approach, it's not the, the sponsors that we find, it's not an in your face type of thing. It's about having genuine content and putting your name on it. So really anybody can do it. And it, if the model works where we can get these sponsors to pay for it, then the partner loves that even more. But there's a great value in, in the story part of it. So I think what's happening in the video industry is sometimes people are getting a little lazy and they're creating what we like to call music videos. So they go out, they shoot beautiful video, which is awesome, and that takes a talent in itself. Um, they're slow-mowing, they're doing different reactions, but then they're just cutting it to music. And in the long run, there's no story there. I actually just had a potential client email me today, and she's like, hey, we've been working on this video, but it has no sense of purpose no sense of where it is and how it fits into the grand scheme of things. What can you guys do to help us? And that is where we think that there's a real uh, advantage in, in telling a real story instead of it just focusing on pretty video or great music or quick cuts. Um, now those are all important pieces, but there needs to be some kind of story to what you're doing. And so that would be my advice to businesses out there that are not necessarily playing in video yet or they've dipped their toe in. Um, always be thinking about what story can you be telling. And it doesn't have to be the story about how your company was built. It can be the story about what the customers that use your product or service are like or why they use your service and how they use it. Um, I just think that people get pigeonholed sometimes and there's so many ways to be creative. And now with people being able to see video on their phone, they, they can find, follow them anywhere. Um, so there's just a lot of opportunities. I think people should just be keeping their eye open for that. Well, thank you both for participating. I appreciate your time. Cool, thanks for having us. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. So, and uh, everybody can check you out at spiraclebuzz.com. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Nexogy Education or visit influencingentrepreneurs.com to catch up on previous episodes with Casimir Ward.